Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This Sunday is the last Sunday in the life of the church year, and it's called Christ the King, or Reign of Christ Sunday. And to share a little history about this, it was about almost 100 years ago when Pope Pius XI designated this Sunday as official Christ the King. What he had been witnessing around him in Europe was increased secularization. He saw Christians having increased doubt about Christ's existence and authority. He saw a rise in dictatorships and those dictators trying to wield power over the church. So the Pope was hoping for three things. To express to the nations that the church has the right to freedom from state control. To tell leaders of these nations to heed the call to respect Christ. And to encourage Christians to not forget to claim Christ as their king in body, mind, and spirit. There was a deep and growing mistrust of authority back then, and we could argue that that mistrust has certainly not lessened in our time a hundred years later, and perhaps it has even increased. We need only read today's headlines of war and clergy abuse, the denying of refugees' passage to safety on borders all over the world, some leaders of church and state have let us down. They have proven to be untrustworthy. And with all of this comes the rise of individualism, as many have come to believe that no authority is trustworthy and therefore the only one to trust is ourselves. So the idea of Christ as king, as ruler, has certainly not gained in popularity in societies like our own, so highly individualistic. And the royal terms of king sound old-fashioned. The idea of Christ as Lord may even sound threatening to some of us. The word king has patriarchal nuances and memories of oppressive systems of government throughout our history. But for most of us here who have lived in the U.S. our whole lives, we cannot relate to kings in our democratic nation. Maybe we've never tasted life under a monarch. So what is your image of king that this Sunday invites us to consider? As I thought about that, as I think about it with you, I wonder if palaces and fancy robes come to mind, armies, opulence. My very first recollection of a king is from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the television show, King Friday the 13th, who was king of the neighborhood of make-believe. So when I think of king, that's the first image I have of an older white male with white hair, almost down to his shoulder, with a big mustache, a big bejeweled crown, and a fancy robe. So maybe like me, your image of king is nothing that is real, that is no one who could actually exercise authority over you or tell you what to do or threaten your safety or security in any way. 
So today, on Christ the King Sunday, what are we to ask ourselves about Christ as ruler, as in charge? How does that play into our lives as disciples or want to be disciples or one day we hope to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the season of Advent, the very first Sunday of a brand new year for us. And that season of Advent, which means coming, invites us to the question, who is coming? And today, at the very end of a church year, on Christ the King Sunday, we ask, who is it that actually came? And our scriptures today help unpack that for us a little bit. The gospel tells us who Jesus is. The, the passage from Revelation tells us what Christ's heavenly realm looks like in God's reign. Today we find Jesus at the very end of his life. In one of the last scenes in John's gospel before he is put to death, He's on trial before the, a ruler of the Roman world, the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate. Jesus has recently been betrayed by one of his disciples named Judas, handed over to an armed crowd sent by the religious Jewish leaders, and he's been brought before the high priest Caiaphas, questioned, abused, as they really want to find a reason to eliminate him. His way of being is threatening everything they know about security. He's not the kind of king they were hoping for, all-powerful, that will remove Roman oppression from them. He's only stirring up things that can threaten their secured position under Rome. So he's now before Pilate in Pilate's court in Jerusalem. And Pilate asks him, so are you a king or what? Pilate's trying to find a charge against this man. But Jesus simply answers, My kingdom is not from this world. For if it was, my followers would be fighting to protect me. But my kingdom is different. It is not ruled by violence or by force. The drama of this story takes place over seven scenes in the Gospel of John. And throughout, Pilate is moving back and forth between Jesus, who's inside his court, and the religious leaders in the crowd who stand outside his court. They will not enter because Pilate, as a non-Jew, a Gentile, his dwelling, his place of work would not be clean. So for a Jew to enter those quarters would leave them ritually unclean and therefore unable to participate in the upcoming Passover festival. So Pilate is forced to go back and forth as he tries to secure a clear verdict against Jesus. He does not want to make this decision, so he keeps going back and forth. He's worried about his own welfare. He wishes this Jesus would just go away because the crowd outside is noisy and they're causing a ruckus. And his conscience speaks to him. That's why he can't settle down and make a decision. It tells him to, that to convict this innocent man, Jesus, to put him to death by the request of the Jews is not right. So back and forth he moves, trying to avoid 
making the decision on his own. In the whole Gospel of John, the themes of darkness and light pervade. From the very beginning, chapter 1 in the prologue, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and what came into the world in this Word named Jesus was life, and the life was the light for all people, a light that shines in the darkness that the darkness could not overcome. So as Pilate moves from Jesus to the religious leaders, he's moving back and forth between light and dark, trying to discern the right answer. At the end of this story, both the religious rulers, the crowds, and Pilate lose the truth of who they are. Just the Passover before, Many out in that crowd were the same people who accompanied Jesus into Jerusalem as he rode a humble donkey, as they waved palm branches, shouting hosannas, claiming him as their king, the son of David, with great joy. And now these same voices are yelling, crucify him, telling Pilate to demand this sentence against him. They accuse Jesus of being a blasphemer one who claims to be God, God's son, and that is a crime punishable by death. And to go further, to betray their own devotion to their God, they yelled to Pilate, saying, We have no king but Caesar. And the Caesars of the day required worship as if they were God. So sacrificing their own convictions, only worried about their own welfare and security in that very tenuous time, they betray themselves, they betray God. They don't want Jesus to be their king, not that kind of king. And Pilate, too, capitulates, finally gives in to the dark. He overrides his conscience and hands Jesus over to the crowds who clamor for his death and washes his hand of the whole case. In our lives in this world, many things clamor for our attention. We might go back and forth between what is right and what is wrong, trying to discern a good decision from the very simple ones to the very difficult, to some that could mean life or death. But at any rate, every day, darkness and light both call to us. The forces of good and the, and the bad spirits as well want our attention. There's a scene from a radio program in a skit that they aired recently. And it's a drama about a phone call between a wireless cable company and a customer. A customer calls up friendly wireless cable and listens to the phone menu as it prompts him. Finally, he responds, I want to cancel my service. But the only choices are to add more service, to pay your bill, or to change your address. So he says again, cancel my service. But the robot simply says, okay, connecting you to an agent. The agent comes on, thank you for being a valued customer. How can we help you? The customer replies, I'd like to cancel my service. The agent, oh, so you're changing your address? No, I'm just canceling my service. 
The agent replies, okay, we'll transfer your current service to your new address. No, 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 there is no new address. Okay, then to where should we transfer your service? To nowhere, because I'm canceling my service. Of course, since you are a valued customer here at Wireless Cable Company, we're giving you an opportunity to add more service. No, no, no. And we have 75 more new channels you can choose from. So you can watch all the sports that exist and a few that don't. <laughs> I don't want more cable. No more cable, the customer says. The agent finally says, okay, Buster, it's on. I'm connecting you with cancellation services. And as soon as the customer is connected, he receives electric shocks through the phone lines <laughs> as he tries in vain to cancel his service. Finally, in pain and exasperated, he asks for a manager. The agent says, there is no such thing. Okay, I'm hanging up and I'm calling back and asking for another agent. Our call volumes are high. Your approximate wait time is 23 years. Okay, give me the main menu. Sorry, our main menu is for friends of this cable company and you are no longer our friend. Come on, would you like to be our friend again? The customer giving up, capitulating, says yes. Connecting you, another agent. Welcome to your friendly cable company. I have a deal for you. Would you like to add more service? Yes, okay, great. That'll be just $29.95 more a month and your 75 million new channels are available right now. This drama clearly very lighthearted demonstrates the pull we have on our lives in this busy culture we live in where we have choices to make every single day where we seek to discern what is best for us, what we can afford, what we cannot. Forces clamor for our attention, wanting us all to choose them. We may have resolve. We have discerned, hopefully in prayer, what we need, what's best for our family. But sometimes the pressure can cause us to forsake our truth our true selves. Sometimes it may be the sweet face on your little child asking for another cookie or a bigger gift for Christmas. Or perhaps the choice is bigger, like how to best support our addictive relative without enabling them to do further harm. Or perhaps we're in business and an irresistible business deal is before us that operates a little in the gray. Or perhaps the Christ within us calls us to stand up for those being persecuted by unjust laws. Or we're called to testify to our faith in Christ. And it may mean persecution for ourselves. Every day as God's children living in this world, we are surrounded by darkness and light. The world's kingdom and God's kingdom. So if Jesus is king in these realms, 
Who is he really for us as we faithfully try to live today? The passage from Revelation reminds us what that looks like, what the reign of Christ looks like. It's one full of grace and peace. That Christ is the firstborn of the dead, meaning that Christ is alive now and always. That Christ sits with God as the king of all kings of the world. The one who perfectly loves us and has once and for all freed us from sin by forgiveness. That we no longer need suffer the pain of separation. That by Christ's sacrifice, who treasured his life no more, not more than he treasured God and God's will and gave up his life, who calls us to follow him as ruler and Lord, not by force, but by invitation. For Christ knows that the kingdom Christ comes from, the reign of God, is the one of truth, of love, which heals and unites everyone into the one big human family, which is God's dream unfolding by God's will slowly, slowly, where we are all loving servants of God and one another. That is a beautiful depiction of God's kingdom where Christ reigns. But can that feel like the land of make-believe sometimes? Like it's all somewhere up there. What about life right now? Yes, Christ says, I reign in God's realm, and I hold a place for you. But what about right here in our struggles, when our loved one is sick, or when we face possibly a terminal diagnosis, when all around us the addiction rate increases, or we live with financial insecurity that prevents us from sleep in any kind of respite, when nations are dying by famine and disease, when people every day live with domestic violence and injustice and oppression. So Christ, we ask, are you king for me right now? And if so, how and where? Revisiting King Friday, the 13th of the land of make-believe, we're told that as a king, he is relatively egocentric, irrational, resistant to change, a bit moody, although open-minded enough to listen when he's told that he is wrong. And he loves giving long-winded speeches and using big words. In one scene in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Mayor Maggie from the village next door to the kingdom of make-believe is visiting King Friday. And King Friday says, I am about to make an announcement. Mayor Maggie replies, How can we help you, King Friday? The king says, Well, of course you can help me. What can we do, Maggie says. You can listen. Jesus tells us in the gospel today what his purpose for his life in the world is that God has sent him into the world to testify to the truth. And Pilate famously responds in the next verse after our passage today, what is truth? But Jesus also claims that all who are in the truth listen to my voice. 
Our king calls us to listen. And what are we listening to or for in Jesus as our king? What is this truth? It is everything that comes out of his mouth. It is everything he has ever done and said, because it all points to God, our God of truth and pure love. This Jesus who says, blessed are the merciful, who says, I came not to be served, but to serve. And at the very end of his life on the cross, in willing sacrifice, he says to his God, our God, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And Jesus, in his resurrection, visits his scared disciples in that upper room. And he breathes on them the Holy Spirit and says, It's my peace I leave you. And I'm breathing on you this gift of the Holy Spirit to remind you that I am with you wherever you go. This is the kind of king we belong to that we're called to follow. A trustworthy king, a gentle, humble servant who does not force or wield any kind of power that would oppress or harm the call from this king is a big one in our world of light and dark and tension. But Jesus also says, take my yoke upon you and walk with me and I will teach you how to live. For my burden is light and I will carry you and give you rest. Friends, may we have courage anew today to claim Christ as king. as real as our God is who lives within us. Amen.